Well, if you would, open your Bibles with me to Job chapter 9. Job chapter 9. I'm kind of excited about this message. I believe the Lord's given me something that's uh, very good for us. Uh, it will be, Lord willing, Gospel 101, just the very bedrock of the gospel of the truth. I like what Brother Chris Cunningham has to say about that. He said, there isn't a gospel class 102. If it's a gospel, it's class 101. This is gospel 101, the Lord willing. And I want to answer this question this morning. How should man, how should you and I be just with God? In Job chapter 9, verse 1, then Job answered and said, I know it so of a truth, but how should man be just with God? Now this is Job's reply to what his friend Bildad had to say back in chapter 8, verse 20. Bildad says, Behold, God will not cast away a perfect man, neither will he help the evildoers. And Job said, I know that's true. I know that's true. I know God will not cast away a perfect man. I know that. But Job says, can you tell me, how should a man be just with God? Now to be just, justified, the word means without sin. It means to have never sinned, not just as if I'd never sinned, but to have no sin, to have never sinned. How can a man be made so that he has never sinned? That's what Job's asking. Now, I'll tell you why the answer to that question is so difficult. You know, if it wasn't a difficult question, Job wouldn't ask it, would he? God is holy. God is inflexibly holy. He will never call a sinful person justified. Never. The only way that the holy God can say that a person is justified is if they truly have no sin. Well, then there's man. Man is sinful inflexibly sinful. All we can do is sin. The nature that we're born with is a sin nature. It can't do anything but sin. So we can't justify ourselves, can we? Not by our own actions we can. If all we can do is sin, we certainly can never make ourselves without sin by what we do. That's why Job's asking this question. How should man be justified before God? I want to give you the answer to that question in three parts. Three ways that a sinner is justified. And if you're justified, you've experienced all three of these things. First, look with me at Romans chapter 3. Number one, here's the first thing. A sinner is justified by grace. By grace. Romans 3 verse 19. Now we know. This is not something that we doubt or something we speculate about. Now we know that what things soever the law saith, it saith to them who are under the law, that every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become guilty before God. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. Now, you know, we hear we have to be just to be accepted of God. We think, well, I better start keeping the law, right? I better start obeying the law. That's how a person is just. I better quit sinning. That way I won't have any sin. But like I said a moment ago, we're all sinners. All we can do is sin. We don't have the ability to, to keep God's law. 
We can't keep it. You know, somebody says, well, if I'll just, I'll just try harder and keep, brother, that boat's already sailed. <laughs> We're already guilty of sin. God gave the law to show us how guilty we really are. He didn't give us the law so we could keep it and earn a, a justification, earn a righteousness before God. Do you know why God gave the law? To show us how impossible it is for us to keep it so that we'd see our need of Christ. That's why God gave the law. Well, we can't justify ourselves by our deeds of the law. We're guilty. We're already guilty. Well, is there any hope for guilty sinners then? Yes, there is, but it's only in Christ. Look at verse 21. But now, the righteousness of God without the law, without your obedience to the law, is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ, Unto all and upon all them that believe, for there's no difference. For we've all sinned to come short of the glory of God. Being justified freely by his grace. That's how we're justified, by his grace. Through the redemption that's in Christ Jesus, whom God has set forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood, to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are past through the forbearance of God. To declare, I say at this time, his righteousness that he might be just and the justifier of him which believeth in Jesus. Sinners are justified freely by God's grace. By God's grace. Through the redemption that's in Christ Jesus. God made it so that when he justifies a sinner, it's just. It's right for him to say that they have no sin. And here's how God did that for his people. The father sent his son to this earth, to become a man. He sent him to this earth as a man. He sent him to do a job for his people. He sent him as the representative of his people to do for his people what they could never do for themselves. Christ came to obey God's law perfectly, to obey that law for his people. And Christ our Savior was faithful. He was faithful to obey God's law. He was faithful to put away the sin of his people. He was faithful to do everything that it took to save his people from their sin. That's what Paul means when he says, by the faith of Christ, we're justified, we're saved, we're made righteous by the faith of Christ, by the faithfulness of the Lord Jesus Christ, to do everything that it takes to make his people without sin. See, this thing is done through representation. All of Adam's race was made guilty of sin when Adam sinned. Because we were in Adam. He was our representative. We did what he did. When Adam sinned, every last one of us sinned. Well, all of God's elect are made innocent. They're made justified by the Lord Jesus Christ. By what he did. When he obeyed the law, so did you if you're in him. He's the representative of his people. All of God's elect obeyed the law when Christ obeyed the law. We're in him as our representative. So God made his people righteous in Christ. He made them righteous even though they never did anything but sin. Isn't that gracious? That's grace, isn't it? You and I can never earn a righteousness before God. We can't justify our own selves. The only way a sinful man, man, man or woman could ever be justified is by God's grace. That he gives that to us freely. Almighty God, in the trinity of his persons, did something so wonderful 
for people who are so wretched. That's grace. We're justified by God's grace. And Paul goes on in verse 26. He said, yeah, well, I already read this. To declare, I say at this time, his righteousness, that he might be just and the justifier of him which believeth, believeth in Jesus. That brings me to my second point. A sinner is justified by faith. By faith in Christ. Now, four different times in the scripture, it makes this statement. The just shall live by faith. And each one of those four statements shows us how the justified ones, how they live by faith. Now, the first time this phrase, the just shall live by faith, is, is used in Habakkuk chapter 2. If you want to turn over there, Habakkuk chapter 2, it's right before the book of Nahum. As Brother Charlie Payne used to say, if you have the authorized version, page 1162. Now, during this time that Habakkuk was the prophet in Israel, the Chaldeans came and they utterly destroyed Israel just utterly destroyed them. I mean, they just, they leveled all the buildings. They burnt all the crops. What they, what crops they didn't take with them to feed their army. I mean, they just burnt it to the ground. I mean, utter desolation. And Habakkuk, he's the prophet in Israel. And he knows that Israel is not sinless. He knows Israel deserves to be punished for their sin. He understands that. He's not saying we didn't deserve this. He never, Habakkuk never goes to God and said, no, we don't deserve this. No. He said, we deserve it. Here's the thing that had Habakkuk so confused. He wondered, why would God allow a nation that's more wicked than Israel to come and destroy him? This nation is more wicked than Israel. Why, why is God blessing them this way? Why is he letting them have, get away with this? They're more wicked than Israel. And Habakkuk asked God that. And you know what God's answer to Habakkuk was? The just shall live by faith. Look at verse 4, if you found it there, Habakkuk chapter 2. Behold, his soul, which is lifted up, is not upright in him, but the just shall live by his faith. Now, this is the truth that's, that's being taught here when this phrase is used. The just shall live by faith. Don't judge what the Lord's doing with his people. Don't, don't, don't judge, judge the Lord. Don't, don't judge his intents. Don't judge his purpose. By looking at what his people are going through. Don't look at the, the present earthly circumstances of his people to determine what, what, uh, what the Lord's doing with him. The just should live by faith. Now, no matter, no matter how dark the night, no matter how painful the trial is, no matter how desolate the landscape looks, no matter how much it looks like we're a lost cause, no matter, the Lord is still going to save his people. He's still going to bring them to be with him. Our earthly circumstances never change the purpose of God. I don't care how bad it gets in this world. I don't care how evil our rulers may be. I don't care how evil society Becomes nothing. Are you listening to me? Nothing in this earth will ever be so bad that God's going to stop saving his people. 
Nothing's ever going to become so bad that you're going to lose your salvation. Nothing. The earthly circumstances have nothing to do with that. And when our journey through this veil of tears is done, you know where God's people are going to end up? They're going to end up with Him. That's how it's going to I don't care what happens in this earth. That's how this story is going to end. And that's what Habakkuk finally learned. Look at Habakkuk chapter 3, verse 17. Although the fig tree shall not blossom, neither shall fruit be in the vines, the labor of the olive shall fail, and the field shall yield no meat. The flock shall be cut off from the fold, and there shall be no herd in the stalls. That's pretty bad, isn't it? Fruit trees aren't blossoming. You don't have any fruit on the vines. You don't have any olive trees. The fields, they're not growing nothing. We don't have any flocks. We don't have any herds. I mean, that's pretty bad, isn't it? That's pretty desolate. Yet, yet, Habakkuk says, I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. The Lord is my strength. All these other things are not my strength. The Lord is my strength. And he will make my feet like hinds feet. And he will make me to walk upon mine high places. To the chief singer on my stringed instruments. Habakkuk says, this is what I've learned. Now sing that. <laughs> he sent that to the chief of his strength. Let's sing that song. I don't care how bad it looks. God's my salvation. God's my salvation. The just shall live by faith. Salvation. The salvation of our souls. It's not in what we think or what we feel or what we see with our physical eyes. Like I said a minute ago, I don't care how bad it gets. I don't care how bad it gets. And I'm pretty certain it's going to get worse. You just remember this. The Lord's still the one running this show. He's still the one running this show. And he hadn't made a mistake. He's not made a mistake. The Lord is working all things after the counsel of his own will to accomplish his eternal purpose. All these things we don't, we can't begin to understand what God's doing. I mean, they, we're like a back again. It seems so wicked to us and the wicked prosper all these things. The Lord's working these things we don't understand together to accomplish the redemption and the glorification of his people. Now, how does a believer live through the trials and heartaches and difficulty of this life? How do you do it? By looking to Christ. By looking, by depending on him that he will not make a mistake. All right, the second time this phrase, the just shall live by faith, is used in Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1. Verse 16. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it's the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein, in this gospel of Christ, is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. As it's written, the just shall live by faith. Now here's what Paul is teaching us here throughout the whole book of Romans. This is the theme of the book of Romans. Sinners cannot be justified by our works of the law. 
Paul says in Romans 3, verse 28, he said, this is what we conclude. A man is, is justified by faith. By faith in Christ without the deeds of the law. You and I can't earn a righteousness by our works of the law. We can't do it. Righteousness is received. It's received. As a free gift of God, it's received by faith in Christ. By trusting Christ. Sinners are justified by trusting Christ. By trusting that the Lord Jesus Christ is everything I need. Everything God requires of me is in Christ. It's all Him. I trust Christ to be all the obedience to God's law that I need. And you know how I know if I really trust Christ that way? How do I know? I'm re- I really trust Christ to be all my obedience. My right. How, how do I know? If I don't feel the need to add some of my own works to Christ to make it a little better, then I'm trusting Christ. If I feel like I've got to add something myself to make it better, to make, make myself more savable, to, to make God more happy with me, then I'm not trusting Christ. But if I feel no need to add my works to Christ, I'm trusting Christ. If I'm justified, I trust that the sacrifice of Christ is all I need to pay for my sin. I don't have to sacrifice something to, to help help you know reduce my, my sin debt. If I'm justified, I know this. I believe this. I trust this. The sacrifice of Christ is all I need. His blood paid the debt for my sin. I trust that Christ is enough to make me accepted of the Father. I'm accepted in the Beloved. Not in the Beloved plus my morality, in the Beloved. In Christ and Christ alone. I just, I love that. I love that. You know, we want to be good citizens, don't we? We want to be moral, upright, law-abiding citizens. We want to be kind and helpful to people. We don't, we, I don't, I don't want to go through my life making life harder for everybody around me, right? You don't either. But you know what? And I, and, and I want to be very um, involved in, in, in this ministry and, and preaching the gospel to our community and, and pointing you to Christ and, and being helpful to you by, by having a message that, that points your hearts to Christ and comforts your hearts and teaches you something, you know. But all my religious activity will not justify me. Christ does. All my morality. We want to be moral people, but all our morality is not going to justify us. Christ does. I have many believing ancestors, parents, grandparents, brothers, sisters. I have many friends who are, who are believers. But knowing all those people who are justified doesn't make me justified. Christ does. Christ does. All my knowledge of Scripture all my knowledge of right doctrine, that's not going to justify me. Christ does. I don't want to have a head full of knowledge and a heart empty of Christ, do you? No, Christ justifies. Even my faith doesn't make me justified. Christ does. Christ does. Now, faith receives righteousness. Faith receives justification. But Christ is the one who accomplished it. So how's a sinner justified? By faith in Christ. By faith.
Now, right where you sit, trust him. That's the commandment of scripture. Trust him. That's how sin is justified by believing Christ. All right, the third time this phrase is used, Galatians chapter 3, the just shall live by faith. In Galatians chapter 3. Now the subject of the book of Galatians, and specifically Galatians chapter 3, is that both justification and sanctification are received by faith in Christ. We can't obey the law to justify ourselves, and we can't obey the law to make ourselves holy. Paul talks to him about this in Galatians chapter 3, verse 1. O foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you that ye should not obey the truth? Before whose eyes Jesus Christ hath been evidently clearly set forth, crucified among you. This only will I learn of you. Received ye the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Are you so foolish, having begun in the Spirit? Are you now made perfect by the flesh? I'll tell you what happened in Galatia. False prophets had come. Paul had come in and, and the church had been, had been established there. And now, you know, Paul's a missionary. He's gone on, you know, to the next place the Lord sent him. And once Paul was gone, false prophets came into Galatia. And they started preaching a mixture of God's grace and man's works. Grace and works. And they told the people, oh yes, what Paul told you is true. Yes, 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 yes. You're justified by Christ. You're redeemed by Christ. Absolutely. We wouldn't deny that. We, Paul told you right there. He said, but now, now we gotta grow. That, that's gospel 101, they said. Justified by Christ. Now they said we gotta go on to gospel 102 and tell them, told the people you gotta keep yourself holy by your works. Remember what Chris said? Ain't no gospel 102. That's how they confuse the people. They're mixing grace and works. And you're justified by Christ, but now you gotta keep yourself justified. You gotta, you gotta make yourself holy by keeping at least some of the law of Moses. I mean, boy, we've had the law of Moses for 2,000 years. We can't throw this thing out the window, you know. You gotta keep some of the law of Moses. And Paul asks him, now, you fellas been listening to this, this preaching. You tolerated it, this mixture of grace and works. Paul says, let me ask you something. Don't you see how foolish that is? That doesn't make even any human sense. To think that you're saved by grace, but you've got to keep that salvation by your works? Paul said, that's absurd. And these false prophets, they came in, they had a pet law. They did have a pet law. They, they, could, they could let a bunch of the law go. Well, I bet, I bet they, could, they could let go not, ha- not working on Saturday, don't, don't you reckon? I bet they could let go having, having to tithe. I bet they could let go not, having to, you know, not being able to lie. But they, but they couldn't let circumcision go. They just couldn't let it go. And they said, yes, Christ saves his people. Yes, redemption is in Christ. But now you've got to be circumcised in order to be in the covenant. You've got to be circumcised in order to keep your salvation. Now that's a mixture of grace and works. That's what that is. And I don't care how, what's the right word? Uh, I can't think of the right word. How great, how, how appealing, so how, how uh, religious some ceremony looks. If you're adding it to Christ, it'll damn your soul. That's, that's what, that's what it is. Mixing grace and works will never justify or sanctify a sinner. Now it doesn't have to be circumcision. You know, in every age, in every generation, people got their, their pet law that you gotta keep, right? You know, it can be any law. 
a law found in the word of God or a law men have made up, the tradition of the elders, you know. It could be any religious deed. If it's added to Christ, it's damning. It's soul damning. It's a mixture of grace and works. You know, in our neck of the woods, circumcision is not an issue, but boy, drinking alcohol and smoking and cussing and gambling, those are issues, aren't they? Each of those things is deadly to our souls if we add them to Christ. If we add them to Christ. All those things, you know, those things you know, should be used in, in the moderation. But if you add it to Christ, even use them in moderation, if you add that to Christ in order to be holy, your soul will be damned. If we add just one thing that a sinner has to do in order to be saved or in order to keep their salvation, you know what we've done? We've made salvation impossible for every guilty sinner. You know, the Lord has given us commandment to call sinners to Christ. If we take one law, one rule, one work that a sinner has to do and tell somebody you've got to do it in order to be saved, you know what we've done? We've put something between the sinner and Christ and that sinner can never cross it. Never if we add one work, tell people, oh, believe Christ, trust Christ. He, he's washed you from your sins. He, he's atoned for your sin. He's obeyed the law for you, but you got to do this. If we do that, we've condemned a poor sinner to a life of bondage. Bondage under the law. And we've taken away any hope of salvation, or rest, or peace for their souls that they can ever have. The gospel is the good news of Christ. He done it. It's Christ. Come to him. He's not telling you you can't come. Come. Believe him. Rest in him. It's the good news of Christ. If you tell me I've got to do something, then you don't have good news for me. you got bad news. But if you tell me it's all in Christ, come rest in him. That's good news. That's good news from a far country, isn't it? The good news of the gospel is this. The Lord Jesus Christ saves his people and he's the one that keeps them saved. He justifies them and he makes them holy. The sacrifice of Christ has taken the law out of the way for his people. The believer has absolutely no relationship to the law whatsoever. None. Avoid the trap of looking to the law to see how you're supposed to live. Don't do that. Don't do that. Look to Christ. He's all you need. Look to Him. You'll know how to walk. You'll know, you know where you're supposed to go. Look to Christ. You don't have to obey the law in order to be saved or in order to keep your salvation. The sacrifice of Christ made an end to it. Now look to Christ. Verse 10, Galatians 3. This is what Paul says for as many as are of the works of the law. If you're trying to earn your salvation by the works of the law, Paul says you're under the curse. For it's written, cursed is everyone that continueth not in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. If you're trying to earn your salvation, earn your justification, earn your holiness by the works of the law, you're under the curse because you can't keep it perfectly. You're under the curse. 
But that no man is justified by the law in the sight of God, it's evident, it's obvious. For the just shall live by faith. For the law is not of faith, but the man that doeth them shall live in them. Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it's written, Cursed is every one that hangeth on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. See, the just shall live by faith. We receive this by faith. God's elect are made holy by trusting Christ to be their holiness. See, we can't keep the law, can we? But Christ did. He's already kept it. Now trust him. How is a sinner made holy? It's by faith. By trusting Christ. All right, now look over at Hebrews chapter 10. Here's the fourth time this phrase, the just shall live by faith. In Hebrews 10 verse 38. Now the just shall live by faith. But if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. But we're not of them who draw back unto perdition, but of them that believe. Faith. We're not of them that believe to the saving of the soul. Now this sinful world is a tough, tough, tough place to live in. Tough. We've got to live in a world of sin, in bodies of sin. We're treading through a dying world in dying bodies. And it's tough. It's tough. There's hatred, there's hypocrisy, there's death and disease, there's sorrow and misery in almost every single step we take. Solomon said we get older. You know, when you're young, you have a storm. Then there's some blue skies. Then there's another storm. He said when you get older, there are no blue skies. <laughs> Just clouds one right after another, after another, after another. And it's tough. I mean, it's tough, isn't it? One thing on top of another is tough. Now that's true for every son of Adam. On top of that, the believer has to go through this world dragging a dead carcass with us. The believer's got two natures. Every believer does. We've got a new man who's been born of God. And that new man has to drag that old dead man, that old dead carcass with us everywhere we go. Just dragging him with us. And that old man is loud. Isn't he? He's loud. He's being drugged along and he ain't going willingly. He's constantly trying to make us quit. Trying to make us quit trusting Christ. That old man's constantly, you know, I've said before, whispering in our ear. He ain't whispering, he's yelling in our ear. You got, you, be, you better straighten up. You got to start following the law of God. You got to start living better for God to bless you. You know, he can't, and he ain't going to quit. I've been around a little while. Been around a little while. And I think back from the time I was a boy till now. How many people I've seen quit. And it's so, it's so disturbing. It's just, it's, I just, my goodness. I just, I wouldn't, I didn't think that was going to happen. They quit. And you see that happen. You know what you wonder? Am I going to, will I be next? Am I going to quit? Am I? 
Why won't the believer quit? The just shall live by faith. That's how. If God Almighty has given you faith in Christ, your old man would quit. He would. But God won't let you. I got a lot of favorite sayings from our brother Don Fortner. This is one of them. Don said people ask him, don't you ever want to quit? Aren't you ever tempted to quit? Don said every day. Every day. But God won't let me. The just shall live by faith. If God's given you faith, you're going to persevere. You're going to persevere through every trial. You're going to persevere through every every valley. You're going to persevere across every dark river that's just white water raging. You're going to persevere and keep trusting Christ because God won't let you do anything else. See, God's caused a new man to be born in you and he can't trust anything else. He can't. That new man can't ever believe God and the new man can't believe anything else. Anything but Christ. You see, God didn't save his people. He's redeemed them. He took them out of the prison house of sin. He took them out of the prison of justice and tell them, all right now, run along, run along, get to the finish line, do your best. He didn't do that. No, God keeps his people. And he carries them all the way home. Christ is going to do it. You depend on Christ. That's how you're going to persevere. Christ is the one who saves his people and he's the one that makes them persevere because he said, when you go through the waters, I'll be with you. When you go through the flame, it won't kindle upon you. I'll be with you. When you go in that dark valley, I'll be your shepherd. You're out there lost in the wilderness, I'll be, I'll find you. I'll put you on my shoulder and bring you home rejoicing. I'll do it for you. Now that's a savior you can trust. He didn't say maybe I will. He didn't say sometimes I will. He didn't say I will if you do. He said I will. I will and you shall. That's the Savior we can trust. And I tell you again, trust Him. Trust Him. All right, here's the third thing. Look back at the book of Job. A sinner justified by grace, justified by faith, And a sinner is justified by the new birth. Look at Job 14. I want to look at two other questions they're asking in the the book of Job here. They're closely tied to this one. How should should a man be just with God? Job 14, verse 4. Who can bring a clean thing out of an unclean? Not one. Look over at chapter 15, verse 14. What is man that he should be clean. And he which is born of a woman, that he should be righteous. Behold, he, God, put no trust in his saints. Yea, the heavens aren't even clean in his sight. How much more abominable and filthy is man which drinketh iniquity like water. Who can bring a clean thing out of an unclean? How can we drink iniquity like water? We're filthy. How can we ever be clean? Now, don't be mistaken about what the scriptures have been teaching, what well, I've told you so far, so far. Sinners are justified. God's people are justified. They're made holy in Christ. But that does not mean this flesh is going to get any better. It can't. It can't. The flesh, it can never be anything but dead, sinful flesh. 
Christ has justified us. Christ has made us holy. But don't ever think that means our flesh is going to start sinning less. Or we're going to start doing something holy. Because we won't. Matter of fact, once God saves you, you'll think you're sinning more than you ever did. You're going to see yourself as more guilty and more vile than you ever did before you ever met Christ. You know why? Now you got a new man sees sin. Now you got a new man knows what sin is. Our Lord told Nicodemus, that which is born of the flesh is flesh. That's all it can ever be. Dead, stinking, rotten flesh. Our flesh is ruined in sin. Now you know what ruined is? Ruined is something that can't be repaired. It's ruined. That's our flesh. It can't be repaired. It can't be made righteous. It can't be made holy again. So you know what God does? He causes a new man to be born in the hearts of his people. Peter tells us that new man, he's born of incorruptible seed, the word of God. And since the new man is born from sinless seed, the nature of that man is sinless. You know, we get our nature from the seed that conceived us, right? I was born a sinner because that's the only seed my father had to pass on to me. But that new man, born of God, born of the holy seed of the word of God, he can never sin. Never. He can never not trust Christ. The flesh is still the same as it ever was. The flesh can't trust Christ. It hates him. It hates the gospel. It hates God. It can never trust Christ. But the new man, he can't do anything but trust Christ. He can't do anything but believe the gospel. He can't. And he can never leave Christ. Because that's his nature. And we got to go through this life with those two opposite natures warring against one another. Pretty miserable, isn't it? Now, Job asks, who can bring a clean thing out of an unclean? Let me tell you who. God. God does. See, when that new man is born, he's got to live in this body of flesh. He's got to live in this clay prison. Sinful clay prison. That new man is forced to live in an unclean vessel. This flesh. But when the believer finally dies, you know what we're going to do with that flesh? We're going to bury it out of sight real soon. Because right quick, it's going to start smelling like and looking like what it is. Dead, decaying, sinful flesh. But the new man, he's not going to be there. We're going to bury that flesh out of sight, but the new man's not going to be buried. When this body dies, this corruptible, unclean, filthy flesh dies. God Almighty takes that new man out of the unclean thing. It takes him to be with him. That new man is fit. He's qualified to go straight into the presence of the thrice holy God. Because he is born holy. He was born just. I'd say, I'm like you all, this is probably probably a common thought amongst believers. I don't care to die. Uh, a lot of me looks forward to the day. I don't want to go through the pain and the suffering and the, you know. But it'll be all right. 
That'll be all right. When that happens, old Frank Tate, you remember this. You remember that verse. God took the clean thing out of the unclean. That'll be all right, won't it? See, when God saves a sinner, He makes that sinner to be innocent, righteous, and holy. And He's going to keep that sinner. He's going to keep them righteous. He's going to keep them holy. And in the end, He's going to glorify Him. He's going to glorify Him together with Him that we may be with Him, be with Him where He is, see Him as He is, and behold His glory. That's the Savior I want to trust. That's the Savior I want to declare to you so you'll trust Him. So you'll trust Him. I pray God will make it so. Let's bow together. Our Father, how we beg of you that you take your word and Father, that you'd apply it to the hearts of your people. That you would be our teacher. Father, that you'd cause us to see the Lord Jesus Christ, that he cause us to see ourselves in the light of his glory, his holiness, his perfection, and that you cause us to run to him. Father, you promised that your word would not return unto you void, that it will accomplish the purpose whereunto you sent it. And Father, I beg of you this morning that your purpose has been a purpose of mercy and grace, that you'd call your people to yourself. Father, get glory to your name by saving, keeping, and preserving your people, we pray. For it's in Christ's name, for his sake we pray. Amen. All right, Sean, come lead us in a closing hymn, if you would.